This is Agency Side, telling the stories of starting, growing, and selling digital agencies. Sponsored by Natrilla.com, the CRM system for SEOs and digital marketers. Now, here's your host, Rob Carey. I'm joined today by Tom Baker, the co-founder of an Amazon marketing agency called Ford Baker. Welcome to Agency Side, Tom. Hi, Rob. Uh, It's a pleasure to be on the podcast today. Now, I don't know of any other agencies in the UK that purely promote clients on Amazon and Amazon Marketplace. Can you tell us a little more about what your agency does, please? Yeah, so we would describe ourselves as a full-service Amazon agency. So what that really encompasses is sort of three levels of of services that kind of sit side by side with each other. So the strategy piece of how to launch on Amazon, how to expand into international markets, how to arrange your fulfillment, those kind of big structural questions that, that businesses really need to understand as they as they launch on Amazon. And then there's the operations of the day-to-day of actually running a store on Amazon. So everything in the sort of back end of managing inventory, logistics, uh, customer support, all that kind of thing. And then um, layered, on, layered on top of that is, is the marketing aspect of it. So that encompasses listing optimization or conversion rate optimization on-page keywords and advertising. So advertising is sort of the biggest chunk of what we do from a sort of marketing perspective. But it's really sort of encompassing all of those different areas to, to service people that want to sell on Amazon. And we see ourselves as a sort of one-stop shop for brands that, that want to launch on, on Amazon and, and expand across all the different marketplaces that Amazon provide. And why do FMCGs and other consumer brands need an agency to help them with Amazon? Doesn't the product with the best price and the best reviews just win? I think I think that's generally true. But what I found is, and this comes from personal experience, actually. So my first sort of venture into to Amazon was in-house at a toy brand. And I, I didn't have any experience of it, but we, we launched onto Amazon because we knew it was important. But it's a complete minefield. It's very complex and it's a huge learning curve. So if you really want to compete, if you want to be that bestseller, then you've got to know what you're doing. The other thing is that it's the sort of variety of skills that are required to sell on Amazon. So the things that I've described around sort of strategy, operations and marketing is very hard if you know, you're one person or even just a marketing team to be able to kind of do all of those things. So that, that's why I designed the agency to be full service, because I know from my own personal experience when I was in-house that that's the kind of thing that I would have wanted. And you know, w- what we offer is really speed, scale, expertise, you know, the classic things that people would want from an agency. And we're able to deliver things you know, quicker and at a better standard, I would like to think. I think the other thing, or why people come to agencies uh, like mine, is just to understand is to truly understand how Amazon works. It's not just a shelf space where you put your product. There's a search engine algorithm that you've got to understand. You've got to understand how the advertising relates to your organic rankings and conversion rates. You've got to understand all the different kind of complexities around fulfillment and so on. So that's that's what we're doing. We're sort of helping people to navigate through Amazon and sort of reduce the complexity. That, that's probably where, where how I, I would summarize it. And outside of optimizing a client's actual Amazon product listings, which other channels do you use, other marketing channels to promote their products? So at the, as an agency at the moment, 
we are solely concentrating on what uh, on the services and channels that Amazon provides um, to promote products. So that will be obviously we see the listing as the foundation. So getting that right, getting a really good conversion rate is is crucial, and you know good things follow from having a really good conversion rate. So on top of that, we're then layering in review collection, whether that's through uh, the programs that Amazon offers or it's through sort of post-purchase emails, that kind of thing. Really important to get, obviously, to get those reviews. Our sort of keyword research, SEO services is a fundamental part of it. So the organic rankings on on Amazon, as you know, <laughs> SEO is really important uh, and high value. Um, so that, that's another fundamental part of it. And then Amazon you know, has become this huge advertising beast. So I think it's third uh, behind Facebook and, and Google right now, but kind of quickly catching up with them. And that advertising piece has become pretty sophisticated in, in a very, very short space of time. So the kind of classic search advertising on Amazon, where it all began, and that's the sort of core layer of advertising that we offer. But beyond that, it can become, for the right type of client, moving into Amazon's display network and other sort of advertising services that they offer, particularly going into things like advertising through Twitch or through Amazon Prime TV. Those kind of much higher up the funnel type advertising channels can be very, very effective. So we offer that vertical integration with all of Amazon's marketing services for our clients. We don't do anything outside of Amazon right now. A lot of our clients are actually would tend to do those things themselves or we're partnering with other agencies to provide those type of services. But we really focus on, on um, what, what Amazon has to provide. And what are the main differences between Amazon store optimization and search engine optimization? So the big thing is the lack of links. My background's SEO, uh, as you know, and obviously we, we worked together many, many years ago. So I, so, uh, you know, I, I come from an SEO background, but the, the, the key difference really is there's, there's kind of two ways that I would frame uh, listing and sort of store optimization on Amazon. So the first thing that I would say is that it's very much around sort of if you're sort of doing Google SEO, you you might use the terms of on-page SEO, and that's kind of skill set and that those set of principles. How uh, or what we use to and applied to to Amazon. The second thing is that whereas sort of links are the currency of Google SEO, conversion rate is the sort of equivalent thing for Amazon SEO. And the reason for that is because Amazon, in the phrase we use, Amazon's a purchase engine. So if you can feed it more sales, you're going to get rewarded with with better organic rankings. So everything you can do to optimize towards increasing the amount of sales you get from a, you know, a fixed amount of traffic means you're going to be further rewarded with improved organic rankings. And that becomes a bit of a virtuous loop. So obviously, the, the better your organic rankings, the more relevant traffic you're sending, the better your conversion rate, and it continues to improve over time like that. So so they're, they're the two core principles that, that we would use. So on-page SEO around, obviously, the, the right using the right types of keywords, but also how we use them and where we place them on the listing. And then thinking of Amazon as a purchase engine. So what can we do to feed it with more purchases, whether that's from uh, sending more traffic or whether it's from improving conversion rates? And that's kind of how we think about optimization. And as a product brand, do you think it's risky if they 100% rely on Amazon for their B2C sales? Do you recommend that clients also set up a Shopify store or build a dedicated e-commerce site? 
I definitely think it's worth having that diversification. So in the same way as if you were running a website and you only had one marketing channel, that would be pretty risky. And, you know, obviously we would, if, if I was still involved in sort of like the website marketing side of things, then, you know, I'd be courage, encouraging clients to to think about diversification. So we don't get involved in anything outside of uh, marketplaces. But yeah, if we were sort of thinking strategically about it, then we would be recommending that brands have a sort of complementary approach whereby they have their own website and all the benefits that can be provided from, you know, having that ownership over the customer, the experience and so on and so forth. And then alongside that, Amazon as a, as a complement. The reason we say that sort of Amazon can be complementary is because it reflects the way that consumers behave. So the sort of classic stat that gets thrown out there all the time is that over 50% of product searches start on Amazon these days. Now, what that means for a business from a strategic point of view is if your product is not on Amazon, then you're missing out on a huge chunk of your addressable audience. So that's why we would say, you should be on Amazon, but also we, we say there's obvious benefits from having your own website, whether that's Shopify, Magento, whatever kind of setup people want to have. But we think the, the two can sit side by side and, and complement each other. And I, I'd also perhaps go a bit deeper than that and say that you can use Amazon and your website for, for different purposes as well. So some brands use Amazon purely as a sort of marketing channel because there's a, such a huge audience there. It's a way of getting product in front of an audience that they otherwise wouldn't be able to get in front of. And it's almost acts as, I wouldn't say it was lead generation <laughs> as such, but it but it's definitely a way of kind of getting a product in front of that audience in, a, in an incredibly efficient manner that they couldn't do otherwise. So I, I think people need to see Amazon definitely as a complement to things they're already doing and, and not necessarily something that's competing with what they're already doing. Now, obviously, there, there, there might be some sort of cannibalization, but if, if things are done in a sort of intelligent way and understand why Amazon exists and what, how consumers use it, then it's, it's definitely a sort of very favorable for product brands to have that sort of dual approach. And on the other side of the spectrum, I don't really see brands such as Gucci or Armani being listed on Amazon. Do you think there's kind of a, a stigma attached to Amazon as being maybe sort of a cheap place to buy things that a luxury brand shouldn't be on? So I think the perception of Amazon as like, you know, kind of everything store uh, with, with lots of cheap goods and sort of unknown brands is, is definitely changing. We are seeing more and more brands going on to Amazon, partly because they realize that their audience is changing their behavior. And obviously the pandemic has accelerated that, partly because Amazon is improving the services and programs it offers to brands to protect themselves against counterfeit fraud and so on and so forth so amazon realizes that for it to encourage bigger brands more credible brands then it's got to offer different kind of tools for, for those brands to um, protect themselves definitely happened over the last sort of 18 months two years or so with things like brand registry and, and the different kind of counterfeit programs that amazon have i do think that there's a sort of limit to that i can't see maybe this is a bit of a big statement and i'll come to regret it but i can't see that the likes of you know gucci and 
Armani selling their products through the sort of traditional Amazon experience. And, and the reason I, I say that is because th- there's that kind of classic idea that luxury isn't just about the products, it's about, it's about the entire experience. And obviously, Amazon's been incredibly successful by creating a standardized experience that works obviously for a multitude of different products. If you're a brand with, you know, premium products, you want to be offering something different. So that's why I don't think you'll see very, very premium brands on the Amazon platform. Amazon is is trying to make strides into that segment, particularly the sort of high-end fashion brands, but they're struggling. So last year, they launched like a, a dedicated sort of micro site for premium fashion brands. So I think Oscar de la Renta was one of the first ones to, to join that program. But we haven't really heard much about it since. I think it comes down to the fact that, you know, if you're wanting to buy from those types of brands, you want that kind of personalized, customized experience. And it's just not part of Amazon's DNA. It's not it's not what made them successful. So whilst I think Amazon are definitely interested in sort of getting into that area, I just can't see it working. And there are other marketplaces that service that audience really, really well. So the likes of uh, Net-A-Porter, Zalando, so on and so forth, do, do a great job of that. And so if you're a brand manager, manager at Armani or, or wherever, then your instinct is going to be to go and talk to those retailers, those marketplaces, as opposed to, to Amazon. So I think they can reach their audience without kind of going to Amazon, which is a very nice place for them for them to obviously be in. So yeah, I, I can't see a, a point where as much as Amazon would like to, I don't see that they'll ever be really able to attract the likes of Gucci and Armani and those brands. Can you tell us about some of the brands that you've worked with and some of the biggest challenges that they've faced? Most of our brands are, are consumer brands. We, we work with some businesses that sell uh, sort of B2B. So they're, they're kind of selling to hospitals and offices and things like that. But the vast majority are consumer brands. I think within sort of consumer, it's beauty, health, nutrition, toys, that, that, those kind of areas. I think some of the classic things that people have a challenge with is dealing with sort of supply chain and, and resellers and distributors and trying to take ownership of the the experience on Amazon, that can definitely be a challenge. So, you know, something we see time and time again, where brands have been sort of relatively slow to join Amazon, but in those years where they've been sort of debating it, their savvy resellers and distributors have been selling the products on Amazon. And so when the brand finally sort of decides that it wants to take control, it's got to deal with a lot of legacy and a lot of competition from people further down the supply chain. That can be very, very difficult. We have ways of obviously addressing that and helping the brand to take further control. And Amazon are providing tools for for brands to take more ownership the the brand registry service that i mentioned is is really crucial to that but if, if you don't know what you're doing it, it can be very hard to kind of compete on on price to win the buy box on amazon so that's that's definitely a big challenge and, and something that we're doing all of the time with brands that are onboarding with Amazon. I think one of the other challenges is is around launching products onto Amazon. So, you know, it's it's Amazon's an infinite shelf. So it's it's not difficult to get onto Amazon obviously. It's self-service, it's completely open, there's no gatekeepers. But what that means is there's a lot of competition. So discovery and awareness of products becomes vital. And we see it time and time again where a business adds a product to Amazon but doesn't launch the product onto Amazon. So it just sits there and sort of never really moves, never gains any momentum, doesn't move up the bestseller rank. And and really the brand kind of has missed out on an opportunity to 
really capture market share with with the product launch. So a, a lot of our service is around um, defining what a good product launch looks like and executing against that, utilizing all of the the tools and the marketing channels that that Amazon offers to be able to do that. But what sits underneath that is is an understanding of how Amazon's algorithms work, the organic ranking algorithm, but also the sort of wider algorithm of, of, of increasing sort of visibility of products across Amazon. And so if you can sort of understand how that works, and, and leverage that to your advantage, then you're going to sort of be able to outcompete other brands. And that's, again, that's another thing that we, we spend a lot of time doing is, is working out how to pull those different levers and when to do it to enable brands to have really successful launches. I'd say that's probably the biggest challenge that, that brands brands will face or do face is is just knowing how to build momentum and build sales on on Amazon. There is an assumption that you just put it up there and the audience will come. And we know that's that's not true if you've got a website and it's it's the same when putting a product onto Amazon. You've got to work hard to build the audience. But if you can do that, then those brands will sort of reap disproportionate benefits of those top organic rankings and, and really sort of becoming bestsellers. That's what we're trying to achieve for, for, for the brands is just how do we make them bestsellers within their category? That's constantly sort of what we're challenging ourselves to do. So yeah, they're they're the biggest biggest challenge I think is is sort of around resellers, product launches. I suppose the other thing is really just understanding fine details of selling on Amazon. So what is fulfillment by Amazon? What's the difference between selling wholesale to Amazon and using Amazon as a third party? Part of the challenge is really for us and a part of the service is around education for brands. So. In the same way, if I think about sort of SEO 15 years ago or whatever, you know, you'd have to, you'd have to spend a lot of time explaining what SEO is and, and why it's important and why people do. I'm sure it's, that's still the case today, but it was definitely more the case those years ago. And it, to, to a lot of brands, it's, it's the same thing with Amazon now. It's how does it all work? I, I hear these all of these different terms, but I don't understand any of it. It's really complex. So a lot of our time is just spent is, is on the education piece as well. Let's talk about you and your background for a moment. We worked together, as you mentioned before, at a gaming company called Bwin, and then you went on to work for other gambling companies such as Labbrooks, Ball Sports, and Betway. How did you transition from the world of iGaming into marketing brands on Amazon, and what made you think that this would be a, a really good idea to start an agency just focusing on Amazon? Yeah, so it, it was quite a leap um, for me. But there was a there was a transition period which will kind of explain it all and, and, and make it sort of logical. So I I'd been in the i gaming industry yeah, for for quite a while. I think coming up to ten years, and I just got to the point where I felt like I'd sort of seen it all and and done a fair amount, and and I wanted a different challenge. I'd had the benefit of working for some really great brands with some very very smart people doing lots of different things. Like SEO was my, has always been my sort of core channel, but I'd done Facebook advertising, social media content, PPC uh, along the way, conversion rate optimization. So I'd, I'd I'd had exposure to lots of different things, but I just wanted to really test myself with something outside of 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 the sort of gaming industry. So I left that and sort of took a bit of a leap of faith and, and went to work for a startup in the, in the toy sector. So completely different to, to iGaming. But again, it gave me exposure to not necessarily the, the, the marketing channels. I was, I was very familiar with all of that, but actually more of the sort of nitty gritty of e-commerce and how to run a business and the sort of mechanics of, of 
selling products online and through retail, bricks and mortar retail. And at that business, they they hadn't done that at Amazon yet. It sort of plonked on my desk on, on day one. And I couldn't say no. So I, I just took it from there. And it, it was it was a massive learning curve for me. I'm talking like sort of four or five years ago. And and I learned a lot. I made a heap of mistakes, you know, but in the end it was it was very successful. We started in the UK, we expanded across Europe, we went into the US. And, you know, had a really good time with it. And I learned a lot. But I think through the experience, I realized that there wasn't really that much external support that I could tap into. There wasn't really any great communities or sort of content online that I could learn from. Amazon as a completely sort of self-service platform doesn't really offer that much help either. And so I just saw that, you know, if I was having those struggles, there must be a multitude of other people having the same problems. Or challenges, but the the opportunity on Amazon was so massive. So that's what sort of brought me to the idea of, of creating the agency. It was something that I really enjoyed doing. It tested all the sort of different skills that I'd picked up over the years. But I could see a need for it, and there's a bit of a sort of gap in the market. It's certainly not, you know, from an agency point of view, there's obviously not as many Amazon agencies as there are SEO or PPC or or any or Facebook or whatever. So I, I kind of saw that a business opportunity there as well. And that's sort of what that's what it instigated it for me. And I really wanted to sort of focus on Amazon as a sort of specialism because one, because it's so large. And I think that there's so much to learn and Amazon is developing so quickly that it would be really difficult for me to have a confidence in a proposition that was offering not only sort of Amazon and marketplace services, but also SEO and, and all the other sort of standard web channels as well you know there are agencies that kind of do those things but I think particularly for me starting out specialization was the was really important and just having a very distinct proposition as has enabled me to sort of build a business to get clients and to kind of create some distinction for ourselves that's proved to be you know the right thing for us you know we'll evolve over time as an agency but it was definitely the right thing to do to sort of hone in on Amazon and and, and set ourselves up as a specialist in that area. Your company name is Ford Baker, and obviously Baker is your last name. Where does the Ford part of the name come from? Do you or did you have a co-founder in the business? So that's my wife's maiden name. So so I get asked that quite a lot. I just really struggled with thinking of a smart, clever, witty um, name for the business. You know, there's lots of agencies out there that are like colour plus fruit or something. Um, so didn't want to go down that route but I thought with her her maiden name my surname that kind of suited us she doesn't work for the business but you know it keeps her happy to some degree <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that that it, it actually it's, it sounds it, I, quite, I actually really like it um, it kind of worked out quite well so I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I found her and I believe that you took some investment at the end of last year can you tell us a little bit about that yeah, so I took some investment from VP Ventures. So that's uh, Vin and Patrick, who were the founders of Branded3, uh, SEO agency. And they sold Branded3 a number of years ago uh, and then kind of moved into to investment. I'd been talking to them for a very, very long time before actually signing the on the dotted line. It really came from them coming to me and seeing what I was doing. Obviously, they're, they're on the lookout for kind of good people to work for and, and good agencies to invest in. Um, but they were sort of really intrigued by by Amazon 
from an agency perspective, I don't think they'd really thought of that before. So we, you know, we had very, very long conversations going back probably over sort of nine months about what investment would look like and why I need it or, you know, what I could do with that money and, you know, timings and, and, and things like that. For me, it was about, it, it was mostly about the timing. It, it felt right. And the reason I say that is because I'd spent sort of I don't know, a year, probably 18 months by, by the end of it, building the foundations of the business. I didn't want to try and go too quickly. I didn't want to spend too much of my time on sort of lead generation and putting my name out there to the sort of detriment of building the service. And partly that was sort of a, my own sort of personal need. You know, I'd worked in-house for... 10, 12 years. I've never worked agency side. I'm very fortunate to work with some very, very good agencies, as you know, and learn a lot from them. But I'd, I'd never run an agency myself. So I, I wanted to sort of learn how the agency world would work to begin with. And then I really, really wanted to sort of make sure that I was very, very happy with the service that we were, we were providing, the sort of core team that I'd recruited the way we worked, the culture that we were creating before sort of looking for acceleration of, of the business. So I, I, that's why it kind of took so long, I think, for, for me to sort of decide on, on taking the investment was I felt that we then got to the right place. We built the right foundations, got a great bunch of clients, and we were then ready for that sort of next stage of, of growth and to really accelerate that next stage of, of growth. So that, that's why I, I took the investment on. Uh, that's kind of enabling us to, to hire at a faster rate and, you know, uh, not worry about the sort of constant juggling of bringing on new clients, obviously getting that revenue, thinking about recruitment, all those kind of things. It just kind of relieves that sort of tension. So we, we can recruit based on sort of finding great people as opposed to where we've got a sort of immediate need. And that sort of changes the dynamic of, of hiring people a lot. And it also sort of really helps me on a personal level to think bigger about what we can achieve. So I, I talk to that to, to Vin and Patrick a lot, you know, leaning on their experience, leaning on, uh, you know, of running an agency and also of, of the kind of other investments that they have. And that, that helps me obviously to learn from them. But I think it, it, it sort of spurs me on to be better as a founder slash CEO, CEO of an agency. Um, it, it pushes me to kind of really act as, as the CEO, rather than just getting too far into the sort of day to day of working with clients, setting myself up as, as a leader. So I think it's helped on, on many levels. You know, obviously, the cash helps us to accelerate ourselves. But I think it's also helping us to be a better business as well, and, and really kind of set up for, for growth from this point onwards. And LinkedIn shows you as having a team of 10. What kind of people do you hire as I gather Amazon marketing experience is quite rare? Yes, so so it de it definitely is. So it's a much smaller talent pool than you know PPC or SEO or, or digital PR or, or whatever, which presents some some challenges. It's inevitable, like you know the the Amazon world is at the moment is much smaller than all of those different channels that I've just mentioned. So you know I expect to be sort of recruiting from a smaller pool of people. I think the one thing that's really helped us to hire great people is being a, a remote business. You know, I'm not restricted by physical location to find people. And I think the remote working philosophy attracts the type of people that I think work really well within sort of an agency service as well. So 
that's been a massive help for us when, when we've been hiring. And I'm also conscious that, you know, we're not going to find necessarily, we're not always going to find sort of ready-made people to, to slot into to, into certain roles. For example, you know, the last person that we, that we hired into the uh, marketing team doesn't have any Amazon experience, but he's got plenty of experience with Google Ads. And those skills are transferable. The reason we hired him is, it, you know, obviously he's got those Google Ads PPC experience, but it was down to his sort of attitude and, and sort of ambition. And so we could see that in him very clearly. You know, at this stage of ad development, we're more interested in, in that and people's ability to grow with us than necessarily their specific experience with Amazon that will change the weighting of that will change for different types of roles and different kind of seniority but generally speaking right now it's all about having the right attitude and and the ability to grow with us that's kind of what what we look for but as I say the benefit of being remote is that we can cast the net far and wide and we find great people through that people that are just really enthused about working for an agency where they can work wherever they want when they want within reason and so we, we find that we get people that have inherently got that sense of self-motivation that is so crucial within sort of an agency setting. And you're currently based in the UK. Are all of your clients UK based or do you have a global client base? So it, it, it's global. We work with businesses that are, from, you know, there's a client in South Africa, some in Ireland, UK, US, some dotted across um, the rest of Europe and, and that, that's another kind of benefit of being remote is that we've been able to hire people in different countries with sort of local experience and obviously the local language experience as well so that's that's enabled us to scale what we do with a very small team to actually then be global our actual work on Amazon is sort of half Europe and half US at the moment just because I think Amazon.com is just so huge and we've, we've nat- sort of naturally picked up clients from the US that's been a, that's been a great thing. We, you know, working with all sorts of different businesses in different countries with different cultures and different types of products keeps things exciting. So yeah, we we really like that kind of international aspect of, of what we do. Ford Bakery is effectively a specialist e-commerce agency, and e-commerce has exploded since COVID nineteen. Are you seeing new kinds of companies approaching you for help that may not have been interested in Amazon or even e-commerce beforehand? Uh, so yes, in a, in a nutshell, yes. So I'll give you an example. I'm not able to say the, sort of the, the brand name, but it's it's a good example. So pharmaceutical company that has only ever sold to um, pharmacies and and hospitals and so on, and, and has you know realised that those products could be sold direct to consumer, but they sort of never really that interested in it or just found that it would be too complex for them as a business you know that's just not not within their dna so i think you know we see more and more of those businesses that are just sold sort of wholesale or through distributors b2b in some way they have decided that you know d2c is a very sort of real opportunity for them and that's something that we see a lot um, businesses that want to sell direct to consumer and and often amazon is a first port of call for that they don't have to worry about sort of setting up their own logistics and their website and hiring the myriad of people you need to, to run all of that they can you know use amazon's infrastructure the amazon's audience is ready made you know obviously they've got to do the bit in, in the middle of actually marketing the products and, and making sure all of that works and that's where we come in but that's that's kind of uh, the, the story that we're seeing a, a, a lot. 
to the point about so people changing their perceptions about Amazon. Again, that's that's definitely changed. Uh, and a, but a lot of that's consumer driven. So alcohol is a really good example of that. I think until the pandemic, Amazon wasn't really front of mind for people wanting to buy alcohol. But that sort of immediately changed. And then so you know, alcohol brands are are now going onto Amazon, enjoying the benefits of that shift in um, behaviour taking advantage those first movers are really kind of taking advantage of, of the change in consumer behavior and those that move quickly those that do it with confidence are really sort of reaping the, re- the rewards of that do you see a time when all digital marketing agencies will offer a amazon marketing service and does that worry you at all you know, I, I think there is some barrier to entry because it is it is quite a, a you know a learning curve to really sort of understand how Amazon works and to be able to offer that service. So I, I'm not concerned in, in in that sense, and I'm also very confident in what we do. You know, and kind of welcome that competition and and sort of increased attention on Amazon. I think that's a that's a good thing for all of us. So yeah, I I, I do think you know we will see more digital marketing agencies offer that as a service, but it it comes down to that sort of classic conundrum of do you want to get a service from a general marketing agency or do you want a specialist i know from sort of being in-house for so long what my sort of opinions on, on those things are you know but i think there's room for everyone amazon's so large it's it's not something that that worries me at all yeah just kind of bring on the competition <laughs> do you think that amazon has a monopoly over e-commerce and should governments intervene so I read a lot about this. So I, I'll read like Benedict Evans uh, and Ben Thompson's newsletters that talk a lot about sort of monopoly and tech and all of that. It differs in different countries. So Amazon's still relatively small in Spain, Italy, France, and so on. Obviously, fast growing in those places, but as a percentage of total sort of retail, that they're, they're tiny. In the US, I think they're like 50% of e-commerce. But if if you then look at it from a sort of, overall retail point of view i could be wrong here but i think they're still like below 10 percent. do they have a dominant position in e-commerce in in the us then yes but you know shopify have done an amazing job and are a real challenger so i, I think Amazon's very sort of conscious of, of that walmart again are quietly going about their business and have a much larger e-commerce operation than many people sort of realize i don't think necessarily from a sort of retail point of view amazon will face monopoly problems i think amazon as a wider business probably will face some monopoly problems what are your hopes dreams and future plans for ford baker say over the next three years if we have a really strong culture which i think we do now but i'm very conscious of of developing that culture over time and, and sort of letting it breathe and evolve i think as long as i think if we've got a distinct culture within the business uh we continue to hire great people that would make me very happy so from a day-to-day point of view that they're the kind they're big goals for us uh, from a commercial point of view and sort of agency growth point of view we see ourselves as having you know the opportunity to be truly global agency we're you know as i say we're already working in many different amazon marketplaces so in that sense we are global and we have you know people in in four different countries four or five different countries and all of the sort of language capabilities that 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 brings but i think we we want to sort of increase our penetration as a business obviously in the uk but across europe and then into the us and potentially other countries like um, australia and brazil the other thing that we really want to do over time is to offer our service into other marketplaces those sort of services are very very transferable 
um, running a, a marketplace operation. So whether that's eBay or Walmart or sort of the Amazon replicas that are in sort of South America, Cardo Libra, or there's a Russian version called Ozon. That's just, so that's definitely a big goal for us. We're launching a, a hair care brand in the next couple of weeks. Business came to us sort of eight months ago saying, look, we want to launch on Amazon. We, you know, obviously, we want to be in the, in the beauty sector, but we don't know sort of what, what types of products are going to be best. We've taken them from that sort of question all the way through to developing product and, and their brand and their tone of voice to then launching on Amazon. So that's something that we, we feel that is a real strength of ours and we want to sort of build that out uh, into a kind of arm of the business. Yeah, there's, lo- there's lots of kind of big goals that, that we have, you know, but we're sort of in the early phases of, of really kind of defining what that will be. But I'm very sort of confident in in our ability to go, sort of go out and, and grasp grasp those opportunities as, as they come. If you could give a new agency founder one piece of advice, what would it be? I think it's to not sell yourself short and to have confidence in your abilities. I think the worst thing you can do is like compromise on your fees or your time or your value just to win business. In the end, it's probably going to be detrimental to your sort of long-term growth. It can almost impede your, your long-term growth. So I would say never compromise on, on those, those values and, and you, how you value yourself. You will find businesses that trust and appreciate the value you put on your skill set. And they're your better clients. And they're the people you want to work with. So don't compromise for people that sort of want to hammer down on your price because they probably don't appreciate what you do. And that's not the sort of relationship you want to have with with other businesses. So yeah, never compromise. Tom, thank you so much for joining me today on Agency Side. Thank you for having me, Rob. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you for listening to Agency Side, sponsored by Netfiller.com. Visit agencyside.fm to subscribe, read the show notes, and listen to previous recordings. Tune in again soon for our next episode. 